Welcome to Presence Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit PresenceOC.org. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying, you gotta, we got to talk about what we want to see more of, right? Like, that's what we do. Like, you talk about what you want to see more of. When the, the Israelites stop talking about the goodness and the miracles of God, and so they stop seeing his miracles show up. And so they actually turned away from him. And then the judges would come in and remind him, rebuke them. And then they start talking about him again. And so let's not forget, let's not stop talking about not just, but, but crazy miracles like that, right? Just like wild, like why a blue cloud? I don't know. Ask God, right? Like he did it. Talk to him. Okay. Um, I just like to think, I say, you know, it's a sign and a wonder, right? Signs and wonders, it's a sign to make you wonder about, man, God, you're amazing. What else could you do? All right. Uh, but that's <laughs> not, I was just, I really wanted you to hear that testimony because he shared it with me during worship, and I was like, let's go. Um, we, were, we were hanging out with some friends uh, this weekend, and, uh, and a buddy of ours invited a, a, a few of us to uh, come out and, uh, and, and, and ride this jet board. Bobby, I know you've done it once. I saw your picture like a year ago. But I, I've never actually said yes because weekends are kind of for family. But, it, but my, I, I mentioned to Jessica, my wife, and she's like, I want to go. And I was like, uh, okay, well, let's go. So we go to Huntington Beach. And, 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 and the, the, what, you may never have seen a jet board. Uh, this guy, Bob, in his bedroom created this thing about five years ago, just like welding pieces of, of metal together and, and literally created, you know, bindings you put your feet in. Then you, and you connect a four-inch fire hose, a 50-foot four-inch fire hose and that, to, the, to this piece that he made in his bedroom. And you connect the other end to the back end of a jet ski. See where I'm going with this? And so the jet skis work by flushing water out. So literally water is pumped through this 50-foot fire hose, four-inch, it's huge, under your feet, and you go, right? You just, you're in the water, and he's like, you're ready? Like, okay. And you're like, and before you know it, you're like, and it takes some time. So we each had a turn, and I I had a lot of fun. My wife had a lot of fun. And it reminded me about something I was going to preach on anyway. So I just want to share this quick story about this. You know, it's, it's incredible how different you and I are to one another. It's incredible. Like, you, you think, you know, you're a guy, I'm a guy. Or you're a girl, I'm a girl. Like, it's so complex and deep of how God created you. You're not, you're not just a hand. You're a hand that looks like this, smells this way, does it this way, feels this way. You're way different. And so I, honestly, I feel like the pleasure of God is in seeing the uniqueness of who you are in, in, and seeing the uniqueness of the other person. Because if, if you fully recognize how radically different they were than you, you might appreciate them more. You might treat them differently. And I was just, I was taken by how different my wife and I are to each other. And you might think you get married to someone, it's like, oh, I love you, I love you, I love everything about you. No, you don't. No, you don't. When I do premarital counseling, I say, listen, you're about to get married. You don't know this person. But I love them. Yeah, you may love them, what you think is love. You may love them, but you don't know them. You're not going to know them for a good five to ten years. If you're married, come on, right? 
Amen. Amen. And, and those people that are in that five to ten years, they're like, oh, my God, who did I marry? Right? Don't freak out. You love them. There's a reason you're married to them. Just, just back up. <laughs> Turn that fear down. Get back to that place. They're different than you. Hallelujah. They didn't show you how different they were because they wanted to get married to you. This is how we are with God, though, aren't we? Oh, Father, take all of me, except those parts you're not going to like, right? <laughs> and, and we keep going on thinking he doesn't see that stuff, and so we feel fully accepted until we do that stuff. But God, does, he sees every part of you. You know God gave you a personality? You know, you know that you're not your personality, but he gave you a personality. And he gave you a personality, kind of like he gave a painter a set of paints. Because you're going to create things that nobody else is going to create. And it's just who you are. Amen? My wife loves adrenaline. She loves going fast. I kind of knew this about her when I married her. It hasn't been a deal breaker yet. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it never will be. But <laughs> my... I remember just going out on family trips with the, you know, her parents, rent a ski boat or something, and she's just like, I want to go water skiing because I like to go fast. And so she just gets up there. I'm just like, who did I marry? She's like carving these turns. Like, and I've never water skied before, and it freaks me out a little bit. I did it because I don't want to be that husband, right? But I... <laughs> so honestly, I've just learned that she's the thrill seeker, and I'm like, I could pass. Give me a book in a, in a coffee shop and just leave me for three days, right? Just leave me alone. I will be good. And so she can't hang out in a coffee shop with me for 30 minutes. I kid you not. It just won't happen. And maybe she really loves me that day. But it's a sacrifice for her to do that for me. And it's a sacrifice for me to do crazy jetboarding stuff with her. So when the time came to go a second time jetboarding that same day, who wants a second turn? Who do you think was first? Yeah, yeah. And she's good. She was really good, right? Like she, she tore it up. But she walked away from it just like alive. I can't wait to do that again. And I walked away from that saying, I don't have to do that again. I had fun. I had a smile on my face. I enjoyed learning. I love learning curves. I love, I love learning new skill sets. But then I'm good. So my point is just how different we are, right? Like, we're so radically different. And if you haven't figured out how beautiful that is yet, then you're missing out on living life. So with that, I, I, honestly, I want to talk about our personalities. I, I, I actually studied personalities for about two or three years. I did it as a job. I, I built a business around it. I, I've, uh, I learned about strength assessments, and I've, I've walked about three to 400 people through an hour-long-plus time, because uh, I don't have good boundaries, um, uh, 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 sitting down with people talking about them and their strengths. And so I literally would spend that many hours talking to people, looking at, so this is what it says about you, is that true? And it was about 90 to 95% accurate over that many people. So I, I, I had a history knowing that this does a pretty good job sharing what people are like, at least on paper, right? At least a little piece that it showed me on paper. You, people are far more than a piece of paper. And I would tell them that. And every now and then they would say, he's like, you know, I, I love this. I said, well, how does it feel to you? It says you're a, 
it says you're, you're, you're a very supportive person. And, um, and I asked him, like, so, so does that feel accurate to you? Because I never want to tell people who they are based on a sheet of paper, right? Because that's the number one way I'm putting someone in a box, and that's boring, all right? Nobody gets to be put in a box. If you are in a box, I can help you get out. But, but I don't like to tell people that they're in a box, all right? They get, that's good. That's, there's an invitation there. So I would say, how do you feel about that? He says, oh, you know, it's so funny. That, that's not me. That was never me growing up. That's me now, but it's not me growing up. And and the thing about our personalities is they say they don't change. And the research done on this is that your personality, the way your brain is being formed, is, is highly, it, it, it's, it, it's quickly being formed from in the womb all the way up to about puberty, which I don't know what age it is these days, but um, so many GMOs and stuff, who could know, right? And so it's probably around 8 to 13. <laughs> Come on, you natural people. You know what I'm talking about. So... <laughs> Who can know? We got people maturing way faster than they're supposed to. Um, this is my wife talking. Um, high fructose corn syrup. Stop it. Um, and so, I, you know, our personalities get pretty well solidified. The, the neural pathways in your brain are pretty well set by the time you hit puberty. And so um, what they say is, you never heard that don't get into a relationship to change the person? This is why. You're not going to change the way their brain is made up, the way they're innately designed and made, right? Um, if, if, if you really love missions and you're, you're, the person you're dating does not like missions at all, there's a low probability you're going to change their mind. Now, what might happen is you might both figure out a way to do missions together that you both enjoy and love. But that person's not going to love all the things, the way the things, and how you do things the same way you are. Because they're not going to change too much on you, okay? Now, here's an interesting fact, if you want, just a little tidbit in your back pocket. Your brain actually, uh, they've learned that your brain actually is way more plast- has more plasticity. Say plasticity. Yeah, it's a church word now. Come on. And so plasticity means it's changed. It's malleable. It's formable. So your brain actually, they found out, does change. They used to think it didn't change at all. And now a lot of the change, a lot of the stuff with strength finders and, and, uh, and Gallup, stuff like that, they've learned that your brain actually can change a little bit. But to count on you changing is not a wise move, okay? So don't go into a job thinking, I can change. I can like this job. How many of you guys ever tried that? Does it work? No. It doesn't work, right? Don't go into a relationship thinking that person's going to change, and then you'll be happy. I tell people to go into relationships because you can't live with anybody else. Like, you just want to be around that person all day, every day. has nothing to do with where they're going. Everything just being hanging out with them. But I want to say that, so what does happen, it's interesting enough, say, um, heaven forbid, say an 18-year-old in a, in a science experiment goes wrong, and, 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 the, and he goes blind, okay? In that moment, his, his, he goes blind, when people go blind instantly in a moment during their life like that, their brain actually registers that something dramatic has happened, and it begins to change a whole lot quicker. How do we know? Because when one of your major senses goes, goes out, everything else gets heightened. Does that make sense? So you're, you're reading Braille now for the first time ever, and you learn to do it right? And you learn to do it, and you learn to do it quickly. Why? Because your fingers develop sensors they didn't have before. And where does that come from? But it starts in your brain. It's, she's nodding. She's a lot smarter than me. So <laughs> I know I'm on the right track here. <laughs> By the way, if you are smarter than me at this, please don't email me. I'm doing my best, all right? <laughs> I'm mostly right, okay? If I'm a little bit off, you can, you can help me with that later. 
But let, so it's, it's in these major moments of pressure and change that will cause us to change quicker. However, normally, our personalities don't change and adjust that rapidly. Your strengths, what you're designed and great to do, doesn't change too much. If you're an evangelist today, I'm going to guess you're going to be an evangelist 10 years from now. Right? If you're an, an apostle kind of a person, if you're a pastoral person, it's not the title I care about. It's the things that naturally come out of you day to day to day. It's like breathing. Your strengths and your personality is like breathing. I do it without effort and energy. Right? You ever get mad at an evangelist yelling at you to go share Jesus more? Well, that's easy for you. You're like, look at you. You like, you breathe this stuff. And they do. The guy that made the jet board, you know why he invites people out for free to do this? He literally invited four people on boats driving by. One of them took him up on this little 12-year-old girl. He does this for free. Why? Because it's an opportunity to tell people about Jesus. And if you don't believe me, just go. Within 15 minutes, he had shared the gospel with these two uh, teenage girls there over there. They're like, hey, we're all in the same church. Girls, you go to church? You, no, you don't go to church? Oh, be, listen, girls, let me tell you one thing about eternity. And he just started waxing the gospel to them. And it was awesome. But it was effortless. It was just who he is. Now, I also want to tell you, every one of us has an evangelist inside of you. His name's Jesus. You all have an evangelist inside of you, and his name is Jesus. And how he comes out is more dependent on how he's made you than the preacher standing in front. Does that make sense? And so I never, I never, I, I tell people I have a mini evangelist that's always trying to get out of me right now. <laughs> it's like this little mini guy in here, he's my evangelist, and he can't wait to get out and get people saved. But he does it in very specific ways, and I... I I'm not, I'm not limited to those ways because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So even if it's not your personality to go jetboarding, you can still go jetboarding. Even if it's not your personality to be pastoral and actually tone down that dominant nature of yours, you can be that person whenever you choose to be. Amen. Like I said, two to three hundred people, right? Like I remember one woman, she's this talk show host. She's got this incredible ministry, ministering to hundreds of people. Just, she's a voice. And she was curious about what I did. She invited me on a radio program. So we did her strength assessment first. And, and I said, she goes, you know, it's so funny. This says I'm an extrovert, but I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm the perfect example of an introvert. And whenever I hear that, I always go, I go, oh, tell me about that. Because I'm not going to tell him she's wrong. Like, that's horrible. I just want to know why she thinks that. And she goes, well, I, I grew up and I was actually, uh, my, my parents, uh, I was adopted from a very young age. I went from foster care to foster care to foster from house to house. I was abused. I had learned that I had to protect myself, that I had to guard myself, that I had to seclude myself because people were dangerous. And that no one was actually going to love me unless I loved me. And so I got alone a lot. And so that's why I'm an introvert. And I said, wow, I, I empathize and emoted with the, that horrible past that she'd been through. But you know what she does now? She speaks affirmation and restoration through people that have walked through the foster industry. And she uses a ton of words. I know if I get on the phone with her, she's not going to stop talking. Why? Because she's naturally externally social influencer. 
It's just how God made her. Her past, her past created a different narrative and a different story that she learned and, learned and grabbed a hold to because it protected her. Do you understand that? Do you understand what our, our past hurts and our pains and the horrible things that might have happened to you or the weird stuff that happened? You don't know what box to put that in. It creates stories that you carry with you through your past. And what those stories do is try to convince you you're like this. You're not really like this. I told you about my buddy who is a really supportive person. He says he used to be dominant. I asked him, how come you were so controlling and dominant and powerful when you were growing up? And he goes, oh, I was in gangs, in and out of prison. I had to be. And he's the most quiet dude. Like just everybody loves him as a leader because he's so amiable and just kind of includes everybody. He's very, group, very, very connected and all that stuff. And so I'm just like, isn't that interesting? And he goes, oh, yeah, I did that. And you know what we find is that that other personality that you try to mask as your own, it wears you the heck out. You guys ever try to be someone you're not at a, at a group, at a meeting? At a, you ever go to a party and you're, you don't like talking to people? And you go home exhausted, right? Some of you guys go to parties and you just love people and talking to 50 different people. And you come home like, that was amazing. <laughs> it's like my wife, like, wasn't jet boarding amazing? I said, yeah, it was really good. <laughs> but listen, it, it, being somebody else that Christ never told you who you were is exhausting. Say exhausting. Say it, say it wears me out. You don't need more supplements. You need more Jesus. I tell you, you don't need like the, you don't need more green drink in the morning. You might. I'm just saying, I don't know what you eat, but <laughs> you need to put some freedom on. Freedom is way more energizing than somebody else's personality on you. That, that, but here's the deal, guys. That, that little personality that you cultivated, that story that kept you safe, that was your defender. It kept you safe. Right? It kept my friends safe from all those foster places. It, it was a guard. It was an impenetrable wall that no one's going to hurt me anymore. Right? And so you have these defenders that over time try to defend you. And they're trying to do their best to keep you safe. But who, who ultimately do we know now? If, if, who do we know now? Most of us, I think, is the best defender we've ever had. Jesus. Right, so these defenders, they did their job, but they all, they all need to get saved. These defenders need to actually go away so that Jesus can come to be our full-time defender. Let me get back to my notes here. I want to do a, sh a short caveat of what I'm not saying, and then I want to keep going. What I'm not saying about your past is that it's useless. I had a friend of mine, he, he recently came out of this epiphany that uh, all the years that he spent listening to uh, uh, punk music and, and Sublime and all these other, I don't know, is it 311 or 911? I forget the name, I think it's 311. 311, I used to like them too, actually. And so all these, all these bands they used to listen to, when he got saved, he thought, I'm a new creation. All, all, and my old person is gone, the new has come. All my past history that wasn't, didn't look like Jesus needs to be taken away. And I need all new Jesus. And so he committed to the church, and he, he was in leadership at a young age, got married. Praise the Lord, he got married. And, and, and he had kids, and he started growing mature in Christ. And yet, he was never fully walking in freedom because his love and his passion for a certain type of music that he cultivated through the way God had made him 
was discounted and thrown away. How many, some of you guys have history with, with your past, and when you got saved, you thought, I can't be a part of that, that friend group. And, and reality, some of that stuff was, was taking on the wrong path. You, you need a break from some of that stuff. But to neglect the history that you have on this earth, even before you said yes to him, he said yes to you. And so he's formed you and made you, and his plans for you pre, were precursor before you getting saved. He still has plans for, for my kids, your kids, everyone on this earth. And so just because someone's at a skate park and loves skating, when they get saved, I don't ever tell them, don't you ever skate again. Right? But find out what part of skating will glorify Jesus. Amen? What part of that music history you want to glorify Jesus with? Does that make sense? I tell you, this guy's so happy right now. He's just like, man, I just, I learned that I don't need, I don't, I don't, I don't need to throw away my history and past. Because what happened is he felt incredibly, um, that all the time that he had spent up until that point felt like lost. And it's not lost. Heck, it, before you got saved, all of that was just training. It was just training. And so I, I encourage my buddy. I'm like, that's amazing, man. Find out what's in you. What part of that music? Wouldn't it be bummer if all the musicians just sang worship music? Like I think about, I think about Coldplay. How many of you guys love Coldplay? Right? They're not worship songs, except you can hear the thread of God in the worship songs, right? Yeah, all these other, like, there's so many musicians out there. Now, there's plenty of musicians that don't have the thread of Jesus in them. But when they get saved, look out. Look out. Some people think that the Beatles had an anointing to bring revival, and they never used it because they didn't invite Jesus into their heart. I don't know what would have happened. All right, that's my, that's my caveat. Okay. Um, I'm going to read some scripture. If you want to turn to Hebrews 10, I'm going to get there in a second. I had a dream a few nights ago, and, and um, what time is it? <laughs> I had a dream a few nights ago, and it was one of those really crazy, vivid dreams, and I woke up going, whoa, that was significant, Father. In the dream, yay! <laughs> no, she's great. This happened to Jesus all the time. <laughs> Do you want the mic? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, thank you, Lord. And it was one of those dreams. Anyway, giving me the mic, and he says, and he wanted me to, to, to speak to this, this group. And there was a two-part dream. It was a two-part message I was giving. The first part was all about um, helping people see who they are, understand who they are, which is kind of why I was like, all right, God, I, Sounds like I got to do this. And the second part of the dream, it, was, it felt different, but it was connected. In the second part of the dream, I was taken to an island. And in this island, there was an underground network, kind of like, uh, you ever seen Lord of the Rings, how all the bad guys are underground and underneath the volcano making evil things? You guys know what I'm talking about? Follow me if you don't. And so um, <laughs> those of you that, that nodded, though, I know, you're, I know you guys are you're into that stuff. Come on. And so, <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> and so there was all this, like, it felt like I was underground. And like, what's, that, what's the bad guy's name? Sauron or something like that? So I felt like I was underground in the enemy's camp. And I saw the enemy with all these people laying on, like, these operating beds. And the enemy was filtering blood out of each person. 
And I knew in my spirit, I mean, it was the Holy Spirit, I don't know, he was saying, he says, this is the plan of the enemy to weaken all the Christians by removing the blood. By making them, taking the strength out of the blood. And I believe, I believe this more than ever, I don't know if it's more than ever, I just feel like we're always saying more than ever, this is the season. (laughs) But I really believe, like, this is what the world is trying to do. He's trying to make Christians to, to have zero power and zero strength, to take away our confidence, to take away our voice, to take away our heart. But making us feel helpless that we can't do anything. And, I think, and I, so I felt like the, these two were really connected, that our, the way we value and understand how we're made and designed is directly connected to the strength that we have in the blood of Christ. And so the blood, the blood, the blood, I, I, when I got saved, I had no idea why the blood was powerful. I just thought, I literally, some of you might be with me, like, why don't we talk about the blood of Christ? Like, just give me some practical stuff to think about, right? And that's how I was. I was like, I'm very practical, and I think that stuff. And then the cross, I'm like, yeah, the cross is great. Let's worship about it a little bit, but let's do some Christianity. And I, it took me a while. I think it was probably Dan Moeller that really awakened me to all that stuff. If you don't know who Dan Moeller is, do yourself a favor, get saved, listen to him today. Um, but I, I remember when I, when I, the more I heard someone describe what truly happened on the cross, and I'm not going to go into that too much today because it is, it's deep, and I'll, we'll, just, we'll just all just start passing out and going in trances. But, but you got to understand, like, bef- like, Adam walked in perfect fellowship. Say fellowship. Perfect fellowship with his father, God, through the garden. He'll just walk with them hands in hand, hanging out, chatting, doing stuff, talking about jet surfing. I don't know, right? I don't know what he was talking about, but he was just perfect fellowship. Adam had no issues with how he was made, how somebody else was made. He was in perfect fellowship, talked to him, listened to him, did everything. Until, right? Until, until the fall and Adam's sin disobeyed, got tricked, all right? He was tricked. And, and, there was the fall of man started. And so, so Jesus, just briefly, Jesus came back onto the earth to restore that connection to fellowship. Say fellowship. So Jesus comes back on the scene, gives himself the blood of the land. The blood of Jesus was spilt on the cross so that we could have fellowship. So we could walk with him, caught up in the fellowship. I'm going to read the scripture because it's good. Uh, Romans 8. It says, uh, I'm, I'm looking at three, but I'll start with one. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What's that mean? It means now you no longer have to feel condemned by anything you do or have done or even are doing right now. There's no condemnation. Right now, just stop it. But don't be condemned by it. For the Lord of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Literally, Christ has set you free from your past history that has tried to tell you who you are, that's tried to make it awkward for you at parties, that has tried to make it awkward for you at church. Some of you guys are feeling awkward at church, get to meet all these people. Jesus sets you free from that awkwardness so that you can just love yourself the way he loved you, and then, man, you're going to love other people. For the law, which could not do pre-Jesus, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as an offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. So this is where, this is where when you get saved, the old stuff is gone. You're a new creation because he bought and paid for all your past that was not honoring to Jesus. Does that make sense? I know this is review 
But it kind of gets me going when I read Romans 8. It's because of what Jesus did on the cross. When you meditate and look at the cross, like John did, sitting at the foot of the cross, one of the last people to linger, right? Dylan was talking about linger. John lingered at the foot of the cross. Why? I think he lingered because he had this beautiful fellowship with Jesus in the flesh, and God was about to bring this fellowship in the spirit. So Jesus' sacrifice did away with all the stories in the past that now you can stand in any circumstance. I don't care who's elected, who's not elected. You can stand in any circumstance wholly knowing that I'm in fellowship with Christ. And if you are in fellowship with Christ, you are okay. You're okay. Listen, you're not an introvert. You're not an extrovert. You're not dominant. You're not supportive. You are you, just the way he made you. And Jesus came down from heaven, died on a cross so that you would not be labeled by anything. Right? But the problem is we're all labeling ourselves things. Right? Oh, that's not my personality to be be an evangelist. That's not my personality to stop for the one. I'm called to the nations. It's not my personality to, to sit with the poor and the hungry and say nothing. I'm called to be a preacher, right? It's not my, it's not my call to minister to full-time ministry. I'm just called into the, into the marketplace. Jesus bought. He did away with all the sin, the condemnation, all the feelings of, of, of shame so that you could be free. And if free you would feel energized to wake up every morning. This is what freedom is. How many of you guys, how many of you guys ever like seen somebody else walk in freedom and something in you just was like, oh, I want to be like her. Raise your hand. Have you ever seen that? Have you ever seen that? Like, I don't care what level of freedom you're in right now. When I see somebody else walk in a moment of freedom, everything in me is like, oh, Jesus, that's what I was made for. That's, I'm going to tell a short story because it came to my mind. I was, in learning about personalities, I took a life coaching course uh, over the course of about six months. I had to drive to L.A. with a bunch of people I had never met. I had no idea who these people were. And it was a radical group, about 20 people every week for about, I don't know, about three or four months. And I would drive an hour there and sit in this room with a bunch of people. And, like, everything inside me was, like, a lot of the insecurities were coming out because this was not my normal. This was not church people. I don't know who's a Christian here. I know he's not a Christian. I know he's not a Christian. Like, that's all I knew, right? (laughs) And so, I, I mean, it was just great. It was an amazing group of people. And I realized this is training. I'm, I'm gonna find out how much freedom's really in there today. And I remember near the end, we did this exercise, and maybe you've done this stuff in the past, I don't know, but we went around and you had to like come up with this. They use a lot of funny languages. And so instead of God in your life, it was the captain. Who's the captain of your life? And, and then they'd use the word saboteur. <laughs> and so there's a saboteur in your life. What's the saboteur saying? <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, like, it's the demons. Like, don't listen to them. <laughs> so I love the saboteur. <laughs> I don't know if this is going to help you or not, but... You need Jesus. <laughs> call out. Call. <laughs> okay, so at one point, we're all going to go around and you literally embody this thing that is your captain. That's who you're called to be, who you're called to bring in a situation, whether you're coaching someone or whatever. And this old dude, he was kind of an intern for the group. He's sitting there. I'm going to do this 
so that people can see at home. And he's sit, we're all sitting in circles in these same kind of chairs and ugly carpet. And, and we, were, we were sitting around. And one at a time, and this old guy, he's probably 75. I say old. If that's young to you, hallelujah, own it. But he was, he was older than me. And he was about 75. And he, and he got, and he says, and he goes, and he's, I don't, I'm going to get this wrong. This is kind of what he said. He goes, because he, he had to embody it. And so he goes, I am the morning sunrise that comes and hugs you into your desk. And literally came around and gave every person a hug. It was the most uncomfortable moment I've ever seen. Uh, there were so many uncomfortable people in the room. You know who was not uncomfortable? Him. And I just sat there and watched this guy. And I was like, that's, that's amazing. There's not, there's not a part of you that's awkward or feeling nervous or shut down, or triggered, or holding back who you are right now. And I was like, Jesus, that. I want that every moment of my life. I want to wake up with no, nothing in front of me except what you think about me. And that's freedom. And that'll energize you to no end. So anyway, that, that was, that was I, I think about freedom and all that stuff. So I'm going to I want to read Hebrews 10, 21. I want to talk about, I believe one of the massive keys to walking in freedom is walking in fellowship. Fellowship, hand in hand, arm in arm, face to face. Adam walked with God in the cool of the day. Moses walked with God and knew him face to face. King David, David knew him so well. He, he literally did things that nobody else was doing because he just knew he had this friendship with God. So I can eat the showbread. I can go into the holies of holies and worship him. And that, that's what I want for us. Hebrews 10. Um, you guys still with me? Hebrews 10, uh, um, such good Bible right now. Um, verse 22. I, I'm just going to read all of 19. All right. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. There it is, the blood. By a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh. The veil over the temple. That's his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart. Say, draw near. Draw near with a sincere heart, full of assurance of faith. Say, assurance. Say, I'm convinced. I'm convinced. Come on now. Having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, which means everything that's going through your head, the, the, the things that, you, that the enemy has told you, the saboteur of your life <laughs> is getting washed clean, destroyed, hung out to dry and burned, all right? Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without waiting for he who promised is faithful. I want to read the, the Passion Translation. I think it's so good too. Verse 21. And since we now have a magnificent king priest to welcome us into God's house, we come closer to God and approach him with an open heart. Woo! Fully convinced. Say convinced. Say I'm convinced. I'm convinced by faith that nothing will keep us at a distance from him. For our hearts have been sprinkled with blood. To remove the impurity, we have been freed from an accusing conscience. And now we are clean. Say clean. Unstained and presentable to God in and out. 
There it is, folks. That's the goal. To come boldly into the presence of our God, walking hand in hand. <laughs> that'll, that'll keep you safe. All right. Um, <laughs> I love John. I love John. I, I, every now and then I get on these John kicks, and then I forget, and then I come back. But I love John because John, John, John was one of the closest people to Jesus. And I think John, John embodied this fellowship thing better than a lot of people have in the, in the Bible. And John, John was there at the top of the mountain. He was there in, in many places with Jesus alone when Jesus spoke to just the three of them. John was there sitting at the foot of the cross, one of the last people to linger there. And John was also there in the, in the Last Supper, leaning against Jesus' chest, listening to his heartbeat and listening to the whispers of his friend. Right? John was also the one that declared that he himself was the one that Jesus loved, um, which is a beautiful thing to start saying to yourself if you need to. Um, Jason Upton had a guitar that said, uh, Jesus may love you, but I'm his favorite. So if that works for you, I say go with it. Um, but I love John. And then John later writes this. And, and you got to remember, this is the same John that wrote the book of Revelations, that had open-eyed visions, that literally was, was, was honored with this moment to see this huge book being written in front of him and all the, all the mysteries that were a part of that. So I think about John as this is what's available to those people that are friends with God, that are, have fellowship, that are caught up in his fellowship. So verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 2, in the life, and he's talking to people. He says, listen, this is, this is what we've seen. He's talking about Jesus. We've seen him in the flesh. We've seen him in the spirit. And the life was manifested, and we have seen and testified and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was the Father and was manifested or made real to us. And what we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also the good news, right? And in, uh, so that you may have fellowship, fellowship with us. Now listen to this. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Christ had already been crucified and rose again at this point, right? And so he's talking about this in present tense. John recognizes that, that if I can have fellowship here with Christ, then I can have fellowship here with you. And that's such a beautiful thing. Have you guys ever been not okay? Have you ever been not okay? You're just like, you're flipping out, maybe secretly, maybe publicly, and you're just not okay. Maybe you heard a testimony about a blue cloud showing up in a meeting and you got really offended and jealous or, you know, like, how come not me, Jesus? I, I'm not okay. <laughs> By the way, I love the testimonies that offend us. I remember I was, I was not okay one time. I was on a fly, I was on a trip with Chuck Perry, actually. And I'd ask God, God, I want to I wanna fly fish in Alaska. That's what, I was on my dream list, fly fishing in Alaska. I fly fish in Redding a little bit and, I just thought, wouldn't that be just like God to take me fly fishing? And so I thought, okay, well, I'll, rent a fly, I'll stay a couple extra days after they all leave and, 
and I'll get a guide and all this stuff, and it's awesome. And then, I, then Chuck says, hey, Jesse. You know, if you know Chuck, hey, papa. And he goes, hey, they want to take us fly fishing. And I was like, what? And I was like, this is my dream. This is the Lord. He's with me. Oh, he loves me. He loves my dreams, and his dreams are my dreams. And oh, my God, I'm so amazing. And so we go to Alaska, and we pick, and they, we do some ministry time, and we pick out the waiters in the garage. There are so many mosquitoes in Alaska. Oh, my gosh. That's, that's what I remember, mosquitoes. And so we go, we drive like two hours to get to this river. And Sorry, I'm like that. I just go all over. And so we're on this trip, and, and all the ministry has been done, and this is so much fun, and we're about to go fly fishing. My dreams are coming true. We get in this awesome rubber, big rubber boat, and we go floating down the river. I love being on the river. It's awesome. And we pull up at this little shoreline. And I tell you, if you don't know Alaska, like fish in Alaska, there's like hundreds of thousands of salmon that run through these rivers and release all their eggs, and trout go crazy for them. Nuts. Literally, your hand will just hurt after an hour of fly fishing. I've been told. You can see this going. And so, and so, <laughs> and so I'm, like, I'm like, give me the rod. Let's go. I got my waders on, and I get out there, and, and I start fly fishing, and instantly I recognize something's wrong. My waders, which are up to here, but the, the water's up to here, and right around here, I start to feel the cold, frigid water of Alaska coming into my waders. <laughs> and I'm just like, what's going on? This isn't supposed to happen. This is, <laughs> this is my dream. Like, God, oh, you and me, remember? Like, <laughs> this is why you brought me to Alaska. <laughs> this is why. You know? <laughs> and so I'm just like, this is horrible. I get outside. Everything in my heart just turned upside down, and I was instantly... Not okay. <laughs> and I remember getting out and watching everybody else fly fishing in their nice waders without holes. And <laughs> this was not a small hole. <laughs> and, I, and I'm just sitting out there and, and someone says, are you okay? You want to take my wit? No, no, I'm fine. It's good. It's, I'm, I'm totally okay, right? <laughs> I'm not okay. And I just sat there and I'm looking and I kid you not, I begin to talk to myself and encourage myself Jesse, you're so not okay. It's not even funny. Like, this is, nobody else had a dream to fly fish in Alaska. Like, this is your dream, and they all get waders that worked. I don't know why you picked these or why. And literally, my mind went there. I know your minds never go those places, but mine did. And I was just sitting there so angry and so frustrated with a beautiful smile on my face because I'm an extrovert. And so, and so I was like super positive. I'm good. I'm fine. I'm a Christian. And, and I was just all, the, all inside. I was not okay. And so finally, finally I, I stopped and the fellowship of God returned to me. And, uh, and I said, God, actually, I, I feel like this is how it happened. I, I felt like God said, Jesse, I want you to ask yourself, are you okay? And I was like, that's a good question. So I said, Jesse, are you okay? And I heard, I, heard, I heard the voice of the one that walks with me, hand in hand, in the cool of the day, face to face. And I heard him say this to me. He says, Jesse, you're okay. You're going to be okay. This isn't a thing. You're okay. And everything in me settled down and was at rest because truth spoke to me in that moment. And that's freedom. Freedom, when, when, when truth speaks to you, it says, you're okay. And finally, I was at a place where I, was, I actually was okay because I believed him. I was, I was convinced 
that I was okay, that I was in him, that I was actually full of his love and his mercy. And, and so I just watched people fly fish, and it was beautiful. And a few minutes later, one of the women came out and she says, hey, I, I get to do this all the time. Would you like my waders? And I was like, I don't think they'll fit me. And they're like, no, no, they're extra big. They fit over your waders. Oh, no, wait, no, no, they're extra small. So they fit under my waders. So I literally took mine off, put hers on, and mine on over, I think, because there's other way around. I forget how it worked, to be honest. But I remember I got to keep fishing after that, and I was just like, gosh, I'm so glad I didn't flip out. I'm so glad I, I didn't completely flip out. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'd like to say that I caught a bunch of fish that day, but we caught nothing. <laughs> but you know what? I still had a lot of fun because I was okay. And, man, Jesus doesn't promise you that you'll catch fish everywhere you go. But he promises you're going to be with him. He promises you a full heart, abundant life, flowing out of you for others. So I, I just want you to put your hand out next to you. And I don't want you to ask him to come close, all that stuff. I want you to agree that he's close. And just say, thank you, Father, you are so close to me. Thank you that I'm caught up in your fellowship. That phrase has been going through my head for over a week now. Caught up in your fellowship, because Jimmy sings it so well. It's not his song I found out, but he sings it, and he's the only voice I hear. Caught up in your fellowship, Jesus, your love is so amazing. Your joy, I can't contain it. I'm caught up in your fellowship. I'm caught up in your fellowship. I tell you guys, that, that gives me so much hope that if I can walk hand in hand in fellowship with the Father, with Jesus, hand in hand, He can put me anywhere, in any circumstance. However the outcome comes out, I'm going to be more than a conqueror. All things are going to work together for me because I'm in fellowship with the one who works all things together. So, Father, I pray for everyone right now, Lord. I pray that even, even as I've been saying this, God, you've been making yourself known to them. That you've been pursuing them all these years and that you're drawing closer and closer and they are drawing closer and closer. And maybe you were just holding his pinky, but now you're holding his thumb and his pinky. And that's progress. Come on. We love progress. So, Father, I pray for deeper encounters this week and this life, God. Wow. I pray that we'd be so caught up in your fellowship, God, that everything else grows dim. And Father, I pray deeply, God, that you would show us just how uniquely and wonderfully and specific you have made each one of us as the hand, the finger, the foot, that we're all so unique and beautiful that that nothing can stop us from loving this world the way we feel loved right now. God, we love you. God, we love you. There's no, other, there's no other religion that allows us to be caught up in the fellowship, hand in hand with you. Oh. <laughs> he chose you to walk with you. He chose you. He said, follow me and walk with me. 
and he's never taken it back. Yeah. Wow. Amen. Amen. Come on. Amen. (laughs) Listen, if today you don't know him like this, you don't know him as the king of your life, as the savior, as the one that bought and paid for everything, that literally paid all eternity bankrupted heaven to come down so that you could hang out with him day by day in freedom of heart. If you don't know him that way, I want want you to come up and find me, find one of our prayer team letters. And I want you to just say, I just, I need to know him that way. I don't know him that way and I need to. Something happened in my heart today and I need to know him that way. All right. Amen. Hey, love you guys. Um, Can we have a prayer team come on up? Have an amazing week. What a sweet place we ended in. You know, anything is possible when you're walking with him. Brother, your your, your face back there is just like, like shining, man. Man, I, I bless I bless the fellowship that's on your life, man. I bless it. I just see, it's so funny. I see a fierceness about you, brother. I see a fierceness that just goes into any place it wants. Like any place you see, I feel like the Lord is showing you like Mad Max is like just going in. And I just see you just, you just raising, just raising heaven everywhere you go, just kicking hell out and raising heaven. I just see you bringing such deliverance and love. And I just, I see you doing it effortlessly because it's just how he's made you and how he's called you. Amen. Anyway, love you guys. Just uh, have a great week. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit our website at presenceoc.org to find out more about Presence Church.